0: It's that time of week, the time you've been waiting for, it's time for Goat Gab, a weekly podcast about all things in the dairy goat industry. Sit back and enjoy an hour or so with your hosts, Laura Warren Hughes and Cameron Jedlowski, as we talk about ideas and topics that matter to the dairy goat world. Welcome, Goat
1: Gabbers, to another exciting episode of Goat Gab. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Cameron Jadlowski,
0: and I'm Laura Warren Hughes. We are so happy to be here this week, and and yes, it's two weeks in a row. So we just uh, we just are tickled to be back here again. So it's hot. It's um, I'm kind of in a show desert right now. No no shows going on around me that I can hit. So what better thing is there to do than to chat with my buddy Cameron and Uh, bring another episode of goat gab to you all oh yeah
1: we uh we haven't made
0: a formal decision
1: yet if we're going to go back there every week every other week 10 days um i think that decision will be made after our wedding however at the national show i would say i did get a lot of feedback that people wanted us to come back laura did you get a lot of that as well
0: I did about every place I go. They're like, man, we should, we understand why you did this, but we sure miss you guys. And, and yeah, we, we miss it too. I mean, we really do. <laughs> so, um, anyway, we will try to do it as often as we can do it and just yeah. kind of go from there.
1: That's, that's the best way to describe it. But, um, on
0: the podcasting note here, I
1: think with everything kind of settling down, um, my bar being built, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about later on. Um, that I, th- I think that, um, you know, we will be able to get back to a better scheduled, more regimented, less um, record when we can um, program. Don't you think?
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. So we're happy. We're happy to be back and and be back as strong as as ever with some great topics yes. and some great guests and and uh it's it's always exciting to come up with the next idea for our next podcast yes. so
1: real quick on the podcast format um starting the next episode after this one we will be returning back to um uh, sponsors as well so if you haven't filled out that form find it out um on Facebook I'll probably reshare it again so sponsors are coming back and if you have filled out the form already um, we will be contacting you. And even though inflation is running rampant,
0: we will be staying at the exact same price. Hey, there it is always nice when things haven't inflated. <laughs> Goat gab is inflation proof, right? That is right. That's right. And it's always something to bring you a smile on your face. So there yes. you go. Yes. Well, speaking of smiles, you got to go to a show this weekend.
1: Yeah, I did. I did. Um, we went to the uh, Fisher Community Fair and Horse Show. Uh, before we get into the details of that, though, I do want to shout out to our superintendent, uh, Mitch Gardner. He um, he found out kind of last minute, first off, that he was getting volunteered to be the superintendent. Um, so stepping up. So I always appreciate that. And two, he was on the phone with ADGA for seven hours waiting in order to make sure that our show was official on Friday.
0: Seven hours? Seven that's hours. miserable. Yeah. Yuck.
1: Yeah. So he just
0: he went about his day and was on hold for seven wow. hours. Poor guy. Gosh dang it. I can't wait until that's a a part of history. Yeah, you remember back when we used to have to wait forever? I hope that's I hope that's something we're able to say here pretty soon.
1: Absolutely. That's that's very true indeed there. Um so talk
0: about so talk about your show. That was
1: great show. Okay, so for those of you that don't think they exist, they still do. It was a one-ring goat show. It was a fair, which, you know, fairs and goat shows, dairy goat shows especially, really don't jive together in in this current time we're in of the dairy goat world. Um, And it was nice. It was really nice to just sit. You could watch the show. You could visit with people. You weren't really worried about, um, you know, are my goats going to have enough time or are – Um, Do I need to get my next breed ready because, you know, I have to show in the other ring or anything like that. It was a very different pace than a normal goat show, um, but one that nonetheless I thoroughly enjoyed because it's just
0: a little slower. Yeah, that's harkens back to an easier, simpler time. Spoken like (laughs) an old lady. I know. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So it was nice and we did really
1: well. And, um, Catherine had, uh, excuse me, my fiance. There you go. For those of you with a drinking game out there, um, had a uh, best senior and show and we had best junior and show. So I don't normally tout the horn. Um, but it was, it was, it was nice. And, uh, there was 196 goats at this one ring payback fair in the middle of central Illinois. And the barn didn't look that big. I'll tell you that. But, um, And it's, it's fun because Illinois has a series of, of county fairs or fairs that do have paybacks. And generally the dairy goats have the most number of animals exhibited at, at that fair between all species.
0: I love that. That is so cool.
1: Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's really, really great there. So uh, my dad is going to do another one. He, um, he got kind of peer pressured into doing another show next weekend. Um, That's another payback show. Um, but he, he is excited for it and he is bringing, this is the part that I'm most excited about for him is less goats than normal.
0: Yeah. But Cameron, I was just talking to your dad and he mentioned that and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to take very many goats. I think I'm only going to take 20 and I'm sitting here going, like, that's still a lot of work, especially for one person. <laughs> <laughs> so I, think so right. I guess it's all relative, but that's still a lot of goats. <laughs> I think twenty is
1: like that sweet spot at a goat show. If you have if you have two people going to a goat show, twenty is a sweet spot because I feel like anything less than than eight, you're you're, you're doing a lot of sitting and doing nothing. Right. But but like fourteen is a little much as a hassle. in order to get them all loaded, settled in there. Um, but but twenty with two people, that's right in my opinion, right around the sweet spot.
0: Well that'll be good i'm i'm glad he's I'm glad he's excited about going and he'll have a good have a good weekend if he can survive yeah. the heat because I know if it's hot here in Missouri it's just a matter of days before you guys get it there in illinois yeah
1: well, speaking of hot goats laura you had a you had some hot goats at linear appraisal didn't you
0: oh you know what linear appraisal was at a time where there's a bit of negativity in dairy goats right now, linear appraisal was a much needed oasis of cool water for me. There you go. How's that for um, painting a word picture? It was. Whoa. It was great. We we we. I just learn. I always learn so much. And then when you can go back and take, we call them the pink sheets at home. When you can take the the sheets that the appraiser is written on and compare that with sheets from prior years or from your scores from prior years. It's really neat to see trends and areas that you feel like you've really put a lot of concentration into improving when you see the numbers and you're like, yeah, we really have improved that area. That's, that's just always It just feels good. And I'm so thankful to be part of a Dairy Good Association that was able to persevere and get appraisers into the field and and I just feel really, really fortunate that we were able to be appraised this year.
1: Well, Laura, I I do wanna I do wanna hype you up a little bit here. You had a ninety two point dough,
0: right? I did. And she's and she's a seven year old. So you know, to me those those, po- those good scores that you really want to get, um, you know, on, on your grand old ladies, it's just like, okay, you know what, this is, this is really special. So that was fun. Yep. It was fun.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm really happy for you, Laura. Uh, well, thank you. Anything, anything else happen in your world?
0: Uh, you know, <laughs> so, um, I had one buck appraised. Our appraiser said, sure, yeah, we've got time. You can do that. And uh brought him out and man, he's he is like in rut already. I I guess I, I really hadn't paid a lot of attention to the bucks. And we clipped him off last weekend and I thought he was smelling pretty strong, but whoo boy, he's like, you know, doing the or adorning of himself with his favorite cologne. And I'll just let y'all know y'all know what I mean by that and um just already starting to drop pounds and run in the fence and I'm thinking gosh it must be an early breeding season this year so that was that was a little funny to see and then the last thing um I kind of climbed back in the saddle again this weekend not horseback riding but judging <laughs> I got to judge judge a little 4H show and it was a lot of fun I I'd, I'd forgotten how neat it is to work with kids and and uh, do that so I might I might think about hanging my shingle out for some more 4-H shows in the future. That was a lot of fun. That's exciting. I, I
1: know Central Missouri could use some quality 4-H show judges out there. And I, you know, if I was a parent, I want more judging my, my kids.
0: Well, <laughs> well I don't know this poor, it was hot. And those little 4-Hers, um, we were in showmanship for about an hour. And I know that sounds torturous to some kids, These kids were so hungry to learn though. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, we, we talked about maneuvers and talked about, you know, questions and preparing your goats. And, um, it was just, it was a lot of fun. I, I am always heartened when you see a group of youth that are excited to be doing dairy goats. And that was certainly the, that was certainly what happened yesterday. So that was, that was good. So gotcha, yeah. other than shows for you, Cameron, and I know you've got a big event going on at your house.
1: Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I think we'll, yeah. So um, we are raising the roof literally here. I think when this podcast drops, uh, the barn will be done um, or very close to being
0: done here. And it's only going to take about a week to put up. Wow. That is just, that that's growing faster than Midwest corn. <laughs> I will
1: agree that on that one there, um, but it's it, it, it's been a process to get us there, and, and um, once we're done, we'll put electrical in it, and um, then we can work on some water, and once we have that, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on with our topic there, but um, yeah, the, the, the barn is coming along, real nice, um, but I, I will say that uh, for uh, people that are friends with me on Facebook, I am chronicling it all, Um, in order to make sure that we have clear stakeholder communication. And by stakeholder communication, I mean the people of the Facebook. And (laughs) um, uh, to me, it's, you know, in this such negative time in ADGA, um, it's fun to see a community, um, you know, make fun of me or troll me on Facebook or whatever. But it just kind of lightens it up and reminds us that, Hey, we're all a community and we can watch a barn being built or um, sometimes we can watch the association um, be on fire, for lack of a better term, on social
0: media. Um, But we're we're doing something together. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, truly, Cameron, people are always happy. People are happy when they see other people getting something like that. And I know that for me, it always makes me think, now, if I could build a barn from scratch, you know, do I want to do it that way or Let's see. Is that big enough for me, or way too big for me, or what would I want? You know, those. I, I think we all kind of see that go going on and think about our own lives and how we can apply things to what we do too. So it's it is a wonderful sharing community on things like that.
1: Yeah. So so I'm doing that on the Facebook there, but um, it will be done before it's it's known here. But um, talking a little bit about the community of goats, uh, Laura. I hate to ask this question, but I do every week. What's going on at AdGa?
0: Oh, Cameron.
1: <laughs> do we really want to go there? <laughs> um, um, there's, there's one thing I do want to say here. Um, and um, if your NG balance is not correct from the last couple of weeks there, again, please contact that email. I think it's balance support at AdGa.org. Um, and make sure that Um, It's really just about correcting the balance. If you've got um, maybe transactions that you think were wrong for um, um, registrations or I had there was one that came through to my knowledge about a linear appraisal dispute fee pay there. Um, Those conversations and those things can't be handled um, by the balance and support. It really just needs to stick to balances that you think are wrong based on the uh, NG code
0: changes. And you know, I, what, what can we say about the whole balance thing other than what a freaking mess? I mean, it it was, it was just a mess. I mean, it wasn't something that anybody wanted to see happen. Um, You know, you can say what you want about safeguards that should have been put in place or QA that should have been run and, and, um, honestly, all you can do is just nod, nod your head to those comments and say, yep, yep, yep. That's right. It should have happened. Let's hope that we've got it fixed now or close to being fixed, or if yours isn't right, that it's an easy fix. And, um, let's also hope that we've learned from this and we're able to move forward on to bigger and better things. Um, you yes. know, the, and, and Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say financials are really important. Our money is precious to all of us and it's precious to Adga too and we've got to have it right. I mean, it's not it's not about Adga trying to take money that doesn't belong to them. That's not it that's not it at all. We have to have the numbers right because those other people see that. We need we need to make sure that the numbers are correct. So, right. you know, if if you have a problem, please Make sure that you email that address and get it addressed. So yeah,
1: there's there's no secret slush fund for the Adga elite. Let's go for nope. that. No. no, 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 not at so, all. Yeah, one thing I'm going to say about that real quick here is that if you did open a ticket about your balances being wrong from the arms transition in the normal Adga ticketing system, they will force closed all of those. Um, and you need to resend that to the, um, the balance support. I think it's balance support at adga.org email or the one that was put out by the executive director there. Um, because that's where they're addressing all those issues. So I saw someone on Facebook, um, having a very emotionally charged Facebook post about it. Um, and then they emailed the, the correct email and, and it was fixed.
0: Yeah, good. Well, I think, I really think that was a, a brilliant move on Agus's part. Um, thank you, Lance, our executive director for putting that in place. It's great to have a special email address to totally follow those issues and hopefully get them resolved. So I think that's, I think that's been really helpful and maybe we can use that model for future issues as well. Yep. I agree on that there. Um, um, also, It's important to note, ADGA director ballots were mailed um, on Friday. So um, per our bylaws, they have to be out on or before July 15th. And so they have been mailed. So you should be seeing those arrive in your postal box in the next week or so. So, you know, please, please, please take the time to read the ballots, read the letters that that your director candidates have put in, take the time to reach out to your candidates, ask them the hard questions that you want to know, find out what they stand for and what they believe and, and ask them if they have ideas to help move ADGA forward. And then make sure that you follow those directions. I know they seem kind of silly, but if you just do it step-by-step the way that it tells you to fill out the ballot and the envelopes to put which pieces in and how to mail them back, Make sure you do that. Make sure you put a stamp on it because it won't get won't get there if you don't put a stamp on and get them back on time. Your vote is so important to the future of ADGA.
1: Oh, yeah, totally on that one there. One thing as well is to make sure that um, ADGA convention, um, moving along and thinking about the ADGA calendar year, the ADGA convention schedule has been released for Syracuse. So if you're interested, make plans and pick which workshops you want to go to and what things you could
0: learn. Get your hotel reservation in too. Oh yeah, definitely, Laura. Are you excited to be going to Syracuse? Yeah, I am, and I I think I might have a couple daughters who are going with me this year, so that'll be kind of fun. And awesome. uh, I've not been to Syracuse before, so it's always fun to see a new place. And and frankly, I'm I'm looking forward to the board of directors meeting because I'm I'm just really eager to get a lot to get a lot done, you know, as a, as a first year director last year, it all was kind of shell shock a little bit. And, um, it was a, uh, to say that it was a year of learning is probably a great understatement. So I'm eager to see what happens this year and to learn more and, and, uh, be part of, be part of a solution. So that'll be good.
1: Yeah. So. Exciting for those that attend convention there. It doesn't look like it's going to be in my, schedule. Cause that's uh, like a week after my wedding. Um, so I will probably be recovering from that. I, I like to think there, um, but I'm excited for those and, and people that can attend there.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you know, if, if you're thinking about becoming a judge, it's the first weekend of the convention. So, you know, that Saturday, Sunday, and Monday is your um, judges training conference. So you know, get that, get that on the books, make plans for that. If you're a youth and you want to participate in youth activities, which I would highly, highly, highly recommend. It's a lot of fun. Um, that also takes place that first weekend as well. So um You know, just take a look at the schedule, think about what you want to do. And, and if you haven't had a chance to go to a convention before, this is definitely a great opportunity to really grow in your knowledge and involvement with dairy goats and, and get to hang around a lot of really cool people.
1: Yeah, totally agree there. Um, Laura, you ready for the main topic.
0: I am ready for the main topic.
1: All right. So this week we're talking about barn construction and, um, we, I think I've had this idea kind of written down, earmarked for um, at least, oh, it was probably since the inception of this podcast here, um, talking about what we would do um, if we were to build a barn. And I felt it very appropriate with um, the completion of my barn coming up soon here, um, as well as uh, on Beyond the Ring. Ryan and Dale stole our idea um, of doing about <laughs> building a better barn. Uh, I just wanted to point that out for the listeners that we are not taking their idea. We had this idea a while ago, uh, um, but um, building building better barns or being able to design your dream barn. Um, if if money didn't matter, which you know it doesn't sometimes in the goat world, uh, um, and we had limited resources in the world, what crazy things could we concoct?
0: Oh gosh and you know uh, speaking of beyond the ring and listening to Ryan and and Dale talking about barns you know they one of the things that they hit on quite a bit in it if you'll recall was talking about a cooler and and of course you know our our beef cattle friends they will put their steers in a cooler to grow a whole bunch of crazy hair so they can do a lot of sculpting all i can think of is thank goodness we don't do that with our goats and huh, I wonder about a cooler for milking and clipping. Now, that would be an okay thing.
1: Well, that's, that's exactly what we're going to talk about because that's kind <laughs> of on my list and kind of something we are making plans for.
0: Awesome. So let's hit it.
1: Yeah, definitely. There. I think the first thing we have to consider is what are your size limitations there um, and really what how big do you think the bar needs to be? And there's a lot of university research, like from Langston. And I see Laura did some research and found some stuff from New Mexico State as well there um, to think about. But um, my first question is, is what's your property look like when you're thinking about building a barn? And how much space do you have for the extra stuff? Um, trailer storage, where are you going to put that in the off season? Because, you know, we spend more time with our trailers, not in use than in use. What are you going to do about hay storage as well there? Do we have other outside structures for that? And then my third consideration is, is, where are we going to put all the goats? If we need to make a geriatric pen, can we do that with a calf hutch somewhere? Or do I need to move put everything under one roof? And that really is the decision of how big does my barn need to be?
0: I think along with that too, and, and this is something that I'm facing, Cameron, as assumed to be empty nester, where you know, and, and I would say your dad's maybe in the same spot too, but you know, I, I'm also thinking about if I have all of my goats under one roof, that sure does make chores a lot easier for one person to do. And if I can have hay storage in the same place that my goats are, man, when it is 20 below outside and there's terrible ice and deep snow, I don't have to worry about hauling hay from another barn into the barn that I'm going to be feeding it. So, you know, I, I think that is part of it too. You got to think about where you are in your life and your stage of life. And, you know, is this going to be your forever home? And, and if so, maybe you can splurge a little bit more on what you want than otherwise. Yeah.
1: yeah, totally on that there. I think it's so important to understand and look at not where you, not just where you are with the goats and what your facilities look like, but what stage of life are you at? Because I'm going to be honest with you, barns, building things right now in in this inflated economy um, in addition to the recent surge we had in all building supplies um, and the run on buildings during COVID, it ain't cheap. And it ain't going to be cheap for a while.
0: No, definitely not. Definitely not. So So, I think, you know, when I, when I looked up to see just how much room do you need to have for goats? Because, you know, we know that (laughs) we know that most people will tell you, if you think you know what size you want to build your barn, make plans to build it that way. And then double that because you're going to need more room than what you think you are. But as a rule of thumb, it looks like that most places say 10 to 15 square feet of bedded area is adequate for each adult goat that you're going to house. Now, of course we're talking about standard goats, not Nigerians. I don't, I don't really know what the rule of thumb is for a Nigerian, but you know, that's, that's, A decent amount of square footage for a goat.
1: Yes, yes, it is there, and I, you know, I I think about my goats and my and and what you know we have at our farm, and I will tell you that oftentimes uh, when we have too many goats in a pen, it's definitely not that.
0: Right. No, we don't either, and of course, then you know you also have to look at. (laughs) the goats that you have because i have some goats that could have a huge barn and they're still going to lay right on top of each other so um (laughs) i mean really that's just i think some goats are just like that or you could have a bunch of alpines that don't get along at all and they might need 20 feet i don't know you kind of have to use that rule of thumb as just that you know take take a look at what you have and think about how that's going to work for you
1: Oh, yeah, definitely on that one. But I think it's it's good to also consider what breed you have because, like you said, those Alpines and their temperaments versus uh, maybe a more easygoing breed. I'll call the Sables pretty easygoing there um, where there's less fighting as well. So you might need more space based on the breed.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yes. You also well, have to think about outside space, too. Oh,
1: yeah. That's something that, um, you know, if, if you're thinking about building a barn, I mean, you got to think about where they're going outside as well there. And um, With that as well as you have to think about pen configuration because you want the amount of pens you have. So if you have one big pen there, that's fine. You can have a lot of outside space because it's just one big fencing there as well or one big pen. However, if you have two pens and you want two pens because maybe you want a kid area and a mature dough area, then... Um, you will need more space outside for that.
0: Right. And I think especially if you don't damn raise your kids, you just you just have to have separate areas for them. You just, it just doesn't work real well not to, I don't think. But, but, you know, you've got to decide what works for you on that. Laura, let me ask
1: you your opinion on this. And I don't think we've ever talked about this, even in our Cycles Off podcast, Conversations Off podcast. Cause I feel like at your house, you have a little bit of both. You have a pasture
0: and a dry lot, correct? Um, kind of only because, um, the dry lot one, one pasture just doesn't grow great. Doesn't grow a whole lot. I just really don't have a lot of room. So, um, we really have right now. I definitely have too many goats for the property that I have. Um, You know, if I had my druthers, I'd take the pasture that's across from my house too and put a big barn over there and have multiple um, pastures that I could rotate pastures in and separate off the yearlings from the big does from the kids and just, you know, make it work that way. But I I don't really have that. So I'm not a big fan of dry lot. I think goats, I, I think my goats are happier when they can be out and graze, but. You know, you got to do what you got to do, too.
1: I, I think if they've never seen pasture, I don't think they know what it is.
0: Right. I think you're right.
1: And I I worry because cat. so it's kind of a tale of two cities here with Catherine, um, my fiance drink um, for those playing the drinking game. Um, she prefers pasture because that's all our goats have ever known. Um, But I will tell you, there are times in which pasture is ineffective, especially during, um, you know, I'll go to to Southeast Asia here, the rainy season.
0: Yeah. Amen.
1: I know that goes. (laughs) So, so, you know, I think there's value in having a a dry lot system and and being able to bring or just having big enough pens to bring them all inside. Because um, there are times even right after it rains, those goats don't want to go out. And also with pasture, you also have to do a lot of managing of the pasture as well
0: yeah for sure
1: yep uh, and I, yeah and i've seen katherine go mow her pasture and that takes hours to mow that, that those pastures there and um for some people they might not want to do with it
0: deal with exactly it exactly right so you guys yeah. dry lot everything
1: yeah we we and we've dry loted everything for years but i will tell you i think there comes um some different management decisions that you have to make specifically based on your area um and, and think about that
0: right Right, so you know, do do your research and know what's going to work for you. But pro- I would say before you start your barn, right? Yeah,
1: you need to figure out where you're going to be putting that pasture or dry lot before you before you put your your barn up. Yeah, for sure. I will yep. tell you that in our situation, there was one place on the property we could put the barn, so we put the barn there.
0: <laughs> well, um, and. Being able to start from scratch, I think that's a a really awesome gift. You know, like for me, I'm using barns that have been there forever and ever. And in the case of one barn, probably for 80 or 90 years, that barn has been there. So, you know, it was built at a time when the only option you had for cleaning a barn out was a pitchfork and a wheelbarrow, and that's how it gets cleaned out. So I would say don't build a barn that way. (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah i i would agree with that as someone that pitched a lot of manure out as a child there um and now a skid steer comes and cleans it but i think that's such an important consideration there have you ever seen i think it was um andrea forest in missouri had one of those mini skid steers that was like you could rent it you like stood stand stood on it and you just scooped like mini stuff up
0: So we have a rental place here in Chillicothe that has those. And I've never talked to anybody that's used them. But now that you mentioned Andrea, I will talk to her at the State Fair about it because I've (laughs) wondered how well that works.
1: Uh huh. I've I've wondered that as well there. Um, And we could talk about, I could talk about skid steers all day with people, but that's not the focus of this podcast today. Uh, um, But I I think it's so important that you think about how you're going to clean that out there. Um, with that as well. And one thing that often gets overlooked and was something that I really had to think about in my case was, um, what, what are you going to do with your neighbors in that proximity to your barn?
0: Oh, like maybe your mate neighbors might not, might not like the smell of manure or flies or, um, animals, the, manure,
1: the fly, the flies, the animals, and, and, and the buck smell as well. I think that's really important to understand as well, because, I mean, you know, if you're not familiar with a a male goat in the fall, it it hits you pretty hard in the morning. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Agreed. (laughs) So it's important when you do build a barn and you do are are close to neighbors and um, understanding your zoning laws, because um, as we went through this process, our zoning is is very, very, very complicated. Um, It's important to have those conversations and say, hey, this is what we're doing. Um, you know, maybe you know I asked, "Hey, is that okay?" And most of them said, "No, nah, no big deal, no problem there." Um, and they said, "Oh, yeah, anything except that da there." But I think it's also important to understand that uh, you need to have a good you need to have a good um, relationship with those neighbors, especially if you're going up close to count uh property lines.
0: Right. So you know, maybe taking them some goat milk soap or some goat cheese next spring after the babies are there, or taking a baby goat to to uh, introduce to them that, that can also help sweeten up the neighbors too. Right. Yes. Yes. Making sure that they get a little benefit as well, even if they have to suffer a bit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. Yes. So um, I want to talk about the layout a little bit. I think uh, we talked a little bit about materials and we're building a pole barn. And I really like, I told Catherine, I really like those old, let's just, let's go on materials for a little bit, or I guess style of barn. Um, okay, we're doing we're doing a pole barn. That's what we're doing here. If I had my old fashioned way, I would do a, I would do like an old historic red dairy barn. I thought those are so
0: cool and so picturesque. They are, but you know what? As somebody who has a little old red wooden barn, there is a big problem with wood, and that's the fact that it rots. Hmm. Yes. And manure and especially a manure pack in the winter time does not do good favors for wood. I've discovered that. So, you know, that's something that, you know, on the one hand, ventilation usually isn't a problem because wood shrinks and you get nice little uh, ventilation, you know, between the boards after a while. But, you know, on the other hand, it, it, there is quite a bit of upkeep to it. And so you're, you're replacing boards from time to time and, and, um you know that i think the durability is something that you really have to consider as well
1: yeah oh yeah it's something i hadn't thought about there and um it's it's very different for us because we have a very old barn but the the found or the is like stone the foundation is like stone and then wood on top of it there from from my dad's barn where, where we have our kids so um it, it's it's kind of different there than what you're dealing with that's an excellent point
0: Something that is very interesting to me, and I actually saw it on a, um, a video off the old Facebook that um, was from our uh, friends at Hay Creek up in Minnesota, posted of their barn. And the, that is a hoop barn. And I kind of find those as fascinating. So I, I think well. that's another option that you could consider as well. Yeah. A lot of
1: space in a hoop barn and um, can be inexpensive to build there. I think it's a great barn for an addition to an additional barn to have um, more pen space or more hay storage. Um, I I don't know if it replaces uh, like a traditional barn barn, but I think it's a great option.
0: So when I was, I, I messaged Keith Allen and asked him about his barn and he told me where he, you know, the company that they had that built it. And I said, You know, you're in Minnesota, and it's a little colder and a lot snowier up there than it is in Missouri. How has that held up for you? And he said it's done fine in the snows, which that would worry me. You know, that the weight of the snow and so forth would be difficult. And he said it's it's not been. He said in the summertime, ventilation is an issue that that he wished that they had put some some more fans, some more ventilation in that barn. But that is definitely an option that you can take a look at. And I would think they'd go up fairly quickly. And, mm-hmm. um, I kind of like you, Cameron, I could see that more as being maybe a, a secondary barn to store your hay in, to store your trailer in, uh, to put up temporary kid pins if you need, you know, some extra room, but, um, an easy way to expand maybe what you already have. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. I- you had mentioned calf hutches earlier for like your geriatrics. I know a lot of people will use a calf hutch for housing for bucks or for kids. Do you do that? Do you do that also? So we've used we've used calf
1: hutches for a couple of things here. We've used used calf hutches for kids um, as well there. So we've used calf hutches for them. and we did that for probably 15, 20-ish years use calf hutches there. Um, and, and that, that seems to work well if you have the right number of kids in the pen, but if you have too many kids in the pen, um, those calf hutches get small. And I'll tell you one
0: thing right now, calf hutches, used calf hutches are really hard to find. Yes, they are. I agree. Yes. And Um, new ones are pretty pricey.
1: Yes, correct. They are there. Um, and they sell really quickly as well. I think I sold, I sold our calf hutches and, um, I kind of wanted to keep a couple. We never ended up doing it, but. Um, they were gone within 10 minutes of me posting them on the Facebook. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty yep. amazing. Yes. So um, th- they're great for that. I see them as a good tool. And I know a lot of people that do this use them as a tool for uh, solo buck um, housing. So if they're not in a group house, um, they use it for that. And that works well. Um, and then uh, people also use them for quarantine.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. I can see how that could work as well, too.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, I've seen, I, I've kind of seen it all on a, on a calf hutch, um, layer, layer. I, do I think it's good for milkers? No, I don't think so.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't think so either. Cause again, there's just not a lot of room in it. And if you think about that 10 to 15 square foot, you're not going to get that in a calf hutch. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Kind of going back to that here. What are your thoughts on like lean twos with kind of the one side open there? Not really like a barn, but you know what I'm saying?
0: You know, I've seen those work well for some people, but again, it's usually for dry animals or for bucks, not so much for milking does. Um, I think one of the considerations with that is you've got to climb in there to feed, you know, like if you're going to try to feed under the shelter of it, you have to like go in there and, and do that. And I think that's kind of a, I think that's, a consideration that you need to keep. How easy is it to feed and water my animals? And if I want to feed them underneath, you know, a shelter. So if it's pouring down rain or it's really, um, blustery and cold outside, is that lean to type shelter or three-sided shelter, however you want to talk it, is that going to work for you?
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree on that there. And, I uh, I like that you said that it's not necessarily for milkers, but for dry yearlings or I don't like it for geriatric does. Um, I, I don't, I don't like it at all for geriatric does. Um, we actually have a lean to as well there on our, at our farm um, that we put a cow, it was built for a cow. And then, um, then the cow left, the goats took it over and it was our geriatric board. but we could close the doors cause it was a sliding, sliding one there. So we put sliding doors on it, which I don't, I don't like sliding doors and me have a complicated relationship.
0: (laughs) Sliding doors and goats. I have not had good luck with them. I I just haven't crap gets in (laughs) crap gets in there and it makes it hard to slide. And so then you get mad and you jerk and then you jerk it off the track and then you have to hang it back up. And then goats get bored and they, they stand there and, you know, bang their head against it over and over and over and and knock it loose. And I just, I'm not a big fan of sliding doors.
1: Yeah. Neither am I. It's, it's, I I agree with you. They're easy to put on, but once they're on there, uh, it's just, they're they're not, you know what they are good for though, Laura?
0: What are they good for? I'm sorry. What did you say? Oh, airflow. Oh yes, definitely. Definitely. Yes, you can. You can definitely control
1: airflow and ventilation with in buildings with sliding doors, and that is a nice thing about that. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later later on. There.
0: Well, so can we t- can we go ahead and hit on ventilation because I do yeah, think that's about, something. Let's talk about else.
1: ventilation. Let's talk about let's. ventilation.
0: Because I know and, and I'm not I'm not trying to dog on anybody, especially you know people who are new to dairy goats. But a lot of times in the winter time, I see people who are newish to dairy goats, who have their goats wearing goat pajamas or goat coats or, goat sweatshirts and they're all worried about their barn and they want to shut it all up tight and and you know make sure that it's all nice and warm and have heat lamps for adult animals in there and they're so worried about it being just as warm almost as what their house is okay folks i'm telling you that is the number one way to have goats with pneumonia in the winter time don't do it these are livestock and you know, if you can keep them out of the draft, if you can keep them out of blustery wind, if you can give them a dry bed, they are going to do just fine, even when it's really bitter cold outside.
1: Yeah, I think that's so important is is that dry bed is a lot. And I don't know, Laura, thoughts on, I guess, insulating your barn. I know some people that live in that extreme north have more of an insulation system there. Um, but these animals are also more designed to live in the cold warm cold areas compared to us. I mean, th- we both raised Swiss breeds obviously. So, I mean, heck, these are mountain goats. Uh,
0: you know, I don't know I don't feel like I know enough to say much about insulation, Cameron. What I do know is that you can have barns that are so airtight or so warm that condensation drips off the ceiling and that is not a good thing.
1: Mhm. Good. That's a I never thought about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you really, you really want to avoid that because not only does that mean that animals are breathing in high humidity and, and, and lots of wet with that, but it's dripping back on your bedding and it's just, you just got to watch it. It is better for those animals to be in a cold barn that's dry and has good ventilation that keeps them out of that wind. That's, that's just a better, a healthier thing. So so I, I really can't speak to insulation.
1: Yeah, gotcha.
0: Um, for
1: our friends down in the south, have you ever heard of somebody having like an air conditioned barn?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> I I would hate to. I would. I don't know, Cameron. I would hate to think what something like that would cost. I mean, I think in that case you would have to have insulation and you would have to have it airtight and. Uh, you would be like dry lotting inside because your goats couldn't go out. I don't ugh. I think that would be a, a nightmare.
1: Uh, yeah. I do know some people that do have AC in their barn. I think they mostly raise Nigerians. Um, and I think our, our good friend, Richard Grossman actually has AC in the barn. Wow.
0: Well, I'm going to have to ask him how that works. Cause I, I yeah. just can't hardly imagine it. Now I will say this when I get to build my dream barn, I am going to have a milk room that has an air conditioner in it. Yeah, totally going to do that. We put a window in our milk room just for that. I think that's. I think that would be
1: delightful. Oh, absolutely! There. Um, before we get milk rooms, let's let's finish. Let's talk about let's finish ventilation. Then go. Okay, the sorry. Room. No, you're fine. We're there's so many ideas, and this is. I'll be honest with you, Laura. Like this is the problem. Like me, my dad. Laura, we're talking about this, or not Laura, um, Catherine are talking about my fiance, Catherine talking about this here. um, And she, and you get thinking about things, but you don't ever finish a thought because you're thinking about the next thought.
0: Right. And it's, I can't imagine how exciting it is at home right now for you and Catherine building this barn. I mean, that's just, it's just so cool. So exciting.
1: Yes, you're right. You're exactly right. Um, A lot going on. Um, But airflow is something that's so important, uh, especially when it gets hot, because um, I think it's important that um, not only for hot days, but it's really important for um, moving that pneumonia out of the barn.
0: Yes, definitely. And ammonia is is one of the absolute worst things that you can have in a barn for
1: sure. So, Laura, let me ask you this in an older barn like yours is how do you move air?
0: um well i keep as many doors open as i possibly can and like in the heat that we have right now where it's going to be 100 degrees for like 10 days straight um i set up fans obviously where goats can't get them but give them as many fans as they can get because it's I I'm lucky in, in that my one barn is an old barn, but it's a very tall barn. So, you know, a a tall barn that has a tall roof seems to be a lot cooler than the newer shed type barn that I have where my kids are that has a low roof and it's very hot in there and there's no airflow in that barn. So what I notice is that does spend most of their day outside in the shade. They don't, they don't hang out in that barn very much and that's so cool
1: that you're going to have like a
0: pasture with shade to do that. Right, yes. And and they definitely make make use of that. So Yeah, so
1: for us, I think the airflow is important and I, I think if you're building a dream barn, I what we've done is at, at KVDG is we've created like a a, a tunnel where we open up one of the garage doors on the one side, and then air flows through that all the way out through the pens there. If we were on video right now, you could see my hands moving back and forth to show where the air moves. Um, but we've done that, and then we've also hung overhead fans in order to whip the air as well around and around and around. And I will tell you that even on the hottest days, it doesn't seem that bad in there. That's good. That's a good thing. And then in the winter, when the ammonia gets real bad, we'll open that door. Maybe when it's a, you know, a day that's like, I don't know, 20 degrees instead of like negative 10 degrees there. And that, and that airflow actually um, helps kind of, you know, um, ammonia out the barn.
0: Yes, for sure. So I think that is so important. And especially, you know, when you think about winter time too, the ammonia in, in the breakdown of all of that manure. If you have a manure pack in your barn, helps keep them warm, but you still need to have that dry, that that dry bedding on top and good ventilation, so that they're not going to be breathing that ammonia in all the time.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. There, uh, one thing to consider as well, and we have this in our kid barn now, is, is just windows and opening those windows as well. And it might not be all of the airflow, but it still just gets some of it out there.
0: I think people are scared to put windows in barns because they don't want them to get broken out or, you know, other things, but there are so many different types of windows that you can get nowadays, you know, whether they're high enough that the goats can't get to them or the material that they're made out of is strong enough that they're not going to shatter and be a problem, you know, really, really do consider windows. I think that's an important part.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There, Laura, you ready to talk about the milking room? Let's talk
0: about the milking room.
1: Oh gosh. This to, to me, this is where I, I, I think about this a lot. Um, because, because one, I feel like this is where you spend a lot of your time. Isn't it milking room?
0: Uh huh. And this is also where you can spend a lot of your money too.
1: It, true there. True there. I think the first question is, is what, how do you want your milk room? Do you want it open? Do you want it just as like part of the barn? Do you want it as, as a separate part there? And, and with this consideration, is what could be a future plan for you? And, and thinking about it, do you have the opportunity to maybe go grade B commercial dairy? And your state has standards for that. So you need to have the walls washable and everything washable. Or, or, or you know, do you could you go to grade A dairy or, or make dog treats or something, you know, something with your milk there? Well, and right. You, you yeah. Have, yeah, go ahead.
0: And what does that involve? You know, if you if you go to a certain grade, do you have to have a pipeline system? Do you have to have a bulk tank? Do you have to have, you know, what kind of a system could you make? Can you just milk into a bucket, a bucket milker that sits between your goats? Or, you know, what do you have to do before you design that milk room? Really think think grand, but think realistic for what you think you're going to be able to do. Um, yeah, it's a is. lot more expensive to build something and then have to tear it out because you want to do something different.
1: Yep. I agree on that one there. So like one thing in Illinois that they're required in their standards is that their milk room have walls that are washable. So you have to be able to hose out everything there. So um, some people use like a poly board actually in their milk room in order to make everything washable there.
0: And I would say if you can afford it, even if you're not planning to do a dairy, Wouldn't that be nice to be able to just hose it all down?
1: Oh, my God. The walls in my dad's barn are ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Mine, too. They're gross.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree on that. But also think about, you know, do you want to use your milk room as, as another thing as well? Do you want to be able to put kids in there? Do you want to be able to... Um, use it as a multi-purpose space to maybe clip goats because there is an air conditioner in there um, and, and maybe making it washable would be great for that too.
0: Yeah. And if that's the case, you know, think about the, the stanchions or the stands that you have in there um, built in, or do you want them to be movable? Do you want to have how many goats do you want to pull in at a time? Um, how many goats do you want to milk at a time? That all yeah, fits in there too.
1: Yeah. Or do you want, do you want, you know, a big, I think about those and I don't Laura, you milk on the, uh, do you milk? do you have like a platform or something? Nope, there I have house? two.
0: I bring two in at a time and I have two stands that I milk them on. Okay.
1: So Catherine has like a platform, not really have a platform, but like a wooden, um, thing that her dad made like 20 years ago. That, that, that still works great. Not, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's not, convertible to take to a gum shell. Um, and, and it can only milk four at a time, which is great if you want to milk four at a time. But, um, you know, maybe you want to milk eight at a time or you want to milk six at a time. Or I think that sweet spot's four in my opinion. But, uh, um, you know, think about that's a big consideration right there. And also consider how aggressive are your eaters as well because that if you, for what we breed for, we breed really aggressive, very fast, very fast eating animals I would say not really how we breed them but how we manage them is that um because they learn that competitive instinct at birth I like to say um, just a theory not proven fact but um because our goats are fast eaters we can get away with milking you know three at a time um, and allowing them to have our same grain but if you have slow eaters and you know maybe you kind of choose to free choice uh milk all of your goats um free, as kids they're not going to naturally be as aggressive at the feeder.
0: Right. I, I could totally see that. And, um, you know, it, it adds up to the time it takes you to milk when you have to sit and wait on them to eat. So, um, on the other hand, and again, I love my alpines, so I don't want it to sound like I'm dogging on Alpines, but we all know that some Alpines are just really feed aggressive. So do you need to have the type of stanchion that you can put, um, a barrier between feed pans so that one goat can't reach over and bite an ear and eat, eat her friend's grain standing next to her. You know, how do you, how are you going to do that? So.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Totally on that one there. Um, also think about where's, where's the milk pump going to be? I mean, if you're, if you're milking by machine, um, you know, are you, do you have enough room in order to have that big or that small of a milk pump there? Um, I will tell you that our barn layout, which I'm actually going to redo and re-release here to the public's eye, I've had a lot of questions on what our barn layout looks like um, after we drop the podcast episode. <laughs> um, this is a little teaser to make them make them listen to the podcast. Um, is an 18 by 24, and so that's to milk pro- probably four goats and then be able to have space for also grain storage there.
0: Right, and then are you going to have? Um- a concrete floor in there. A concrete floor is coming. It won't be immediate.
1: And <laughs> um, drains like drains yeah, in your floor. We've talked about we've talked about drains. Yes, in order to make it washable, and then it can also yeah. double as a wash rack too. We could take we could strip, you know, the milk stands out, and we could wash goats in there. If if and I don't necessarily no one likes washing goats, in my opinion. But you know, can you make that an option there?
0: Um, I also think as you're planning your milking room. How are you going to move the animals in and then move the animals out? Um, some of my favorite milk rooms that I've seen over the years have one door for people to come in, one door for milk, milkers to come in. And then when you're done milking, you open another door and they exit out that other door so that you don't have, or you hopefully don't have those goats that... uh come and get milked and then turn around and they think they need to be milked again. And, and you see them four and five times because they keep coming back up to be milked. Um, you know, do you want to make a workflow so that your animals only go in one door and out one door? And how does that work? And I will tell you that in my opinion,
1: sometimes this is where you can find even the smartest animals are literally so freaking dumb.
0: Or maybe they're just so smart they want their way and they don't care if you want to do it that way or not. You know? I, have so
1: many, I have so many dumb goats when it comes to putting them back on the milks or back in their pens. Yep. Yep. So many dumb goats there. Uh, um, but uh, think about also what else you're going to have in that 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 milk room. Do you want to stink? Um, do you want a place to pasteurize all your milk there? So um, do you want maybe some multi-purpose space like we talked about there for uh, trimming hooves, clipping goats, um, giving giving medicine there? Um, maybe do you want a refrigerator? Water? Refrigerator. Where are you going to put your barn TV? That's the real question. Your what?
0: Barn TV. What's a barn TV, Cameron? You mean it's like a- to watch like... Like it's a closed-circuit camera to watch your goats? No, 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 no. A barn TV is literally a TV like you would have
1: in your house in the barn so you can watch TV well in the barn.
0: Are you kidding me? Laura, you didn't know this? No? <laughs> really? Oh my, oh, my gosh. Okay. So do you have, like, do you have a DVD player in there so you can watch movies? Or do you have, do you have... Um, internet so you can watch Netflix or. Oh my gosh, Laura, you didn't know. I can't believe this. My dad last weekend went out and bought himself a new barn TV. I'm blown away. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just really dumb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I, I, I never thought of it. So, so you can watch sports game like football or. We, we, the news we, get the, or-
1: we get the local channels out there. Which you know that's great for if there's sporting events on, like on Sundays when there's football, um, or it's great for. Um, I like it during the weekdays to watch the news in the morning. Um, you can watch the news um, if it's on at four thirty. You watch. You catch Jeopardy. If it's on at six thirty, you catch the Wheel. I mean,
0: it, that's I'm just, blown away. I am just blown away. I never considered having television. <laughs> the barn wow okay so,
1: so my dad went and got a uh a, a, a roku tv for the barn too so he could use the wi-fi extender in order to boost the wi-fi so he could watch like netflix out there
0: oh my goodness oh that just cracks me up okay <laughs> hey you know that that's i <laughs> I'm I'm totally going to ruminate on this. This is great. Um, you know, along with that, though, as you're thinking about your barn and, and milk room, maybe yes, but also barn in total, think about your connectivity and, um, you know, can your Wi-Fi hit it? Because Wi-Fi cameras are so nice to have and be able to see what's going on in other barns, whether it's on your phone while you're milking, or I guess you could port it to your um Amazon Echo or whatever you want to do or your television. (laughs) But being able to check out what's going on in other barns is important.
1: Yeah, I agree on that. And I think it it, one thing to consider as well as plus the electrical situation. Do you have enough outlets and where are the outlets placed? Um, You know, think about where you're going to be clipping goats there. Or maybe you are, you know, where you're going to plug in heat lamps or um, think about strategically where your outlets are. As compared to areas that you will be using as well there. And make sure
0: to not put that breaker box too high. Right. And always be really safe. If you are putting water in your barn, make sure you have one of those ground fault circuit interrupter. Yeah. GCFIs. um, Yes. Outlets next to it so that you don't burn down your beautiful new barn. So Yes,
1: correct there. Correct there. And, And one thing. Well, I think that's a natural transition to talking about water systems there in in your new barn. But before I want to talk about that, I want to talk about the floor. And, Laura, what is your floor in your barn? Dirt,
0: dirt, all of it, it's dirt. Okay. Uh, there are and- some really good things about dirt. Mm-hmm. And one of the really good things about dirt is it's absorbent. So you won't have what we had in the aisles at Pennsylvania in Harrisburg, which is urine running down the aisles because it doesn't get absorbed by your bedding. Yep. correct. And when you have a dirt floor, you can go longer between cleaning because there is some urine that's absorbed into the floor. But of course, then there's the flip side of that. How do you make, how do you make a dirt floor sanitary?
1: That's true. Very true. How do you how do you clean out that that information there, and um, or clean out that area there? And one thing that I've always thought about, and what we're actually doing with our new barn is we're putting a layer of lime down. Actually,
0: so are you going to have a dirt floor in your new barn?
1: So we'll have a dirt. We'll call it a dirt floor, but it's really going to be a lime floor. So, but there, it will be dirt for as far as we're concerned on all purposes there. Um, yes, but the, the base layer will be lime, and we've had a whole bunch of dirt actually trucked in. Um, for our barn. Um, and we've actually had some really hard rains here, which has been kind of nice to see. And it actually seeps through the, the system really well and doesn't mud up like I thought it was going to do.
0: Perfect. That's great. That's great to see that. Um, I know some people, um, in addition to lime, they've put like pea gravel underneath their barns or underneath their bedding. I don't know how well that works and I don't know how well that is to clean out. Um, I do know on barns that are concrete, there's a lot of cleaning that goes with that. That I mean, that's, there's a lot, that's a lot of work.
1: Yeah. I would say that concrete floors and I worry about, you know, if you have concrete floors and you continuously run that skid steer, how long till you crack the concrete with that skid steer. And I don't know, i probably dairy people, dairy, dairy cattle people would probably have a better understanding than that, than I would. But, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think about that too.
0: Yeah, that's definitely something to think about.
1: Yeah, so no, I mean, there's there's a lot of flooring considerations there to think about. Um, I personally, if and I've had goats on both, um, I prefer um, the dirt to the concrete. Okay, good. I, good to know. Concrete, concrete for kids, dirt for for mature goats. How about that? Especially kid raising.
0: Yes. And, and concrete for, you know, maybe kidding pins, if, if yep. you're going to have separate kidding pins or um, a quarantine area, concrete's a great thing to have because yeah, you can bleach clean. it
1: and disinfect it. So, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely there. Um, I, I guess talking about water and Laura, I guess I, I want to ask you this question here is what are your thoughts on using automatic waterers?
0: Well, I think it'd be wonderful if you can keep them from freezing. I think an automatic water would make life wonderful,
1: okay I see, yeah, I thought that too, and I wanted to do that, but the more I talked about it, the more I thought about it i just I'm not sure I'm not sold on it yet.
0: Well, I was sold on it more, Cameron before I listened to Beyond the Ring, where he was talking about automatic waters. And that they don't use them so much anymore. Um, one of the reasons why is that they have automatic fly misters in their barn. Mm-hmm. And they worry, you know, they they've shut their automatic waters off because they have those misters on a timer and then they change the water after the misters go off because they don't want the goats to be dr- eating the fly, drinking the fly spray, which I'm like, okay, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um I also have seen where some of those automatic waters have gotten stuck open, and then all of a sudden you have a flooded out barn and a huge expensive water bill, and that's not good uh-huh, so I think I don't know, I think there's probably pros and cons to that too,
1: yeah, so i we I was gonna we were gonna put the automatic waters, and I think we've straight away with that one because they're they're costly I mean they they are I will agree that they save time though. But two, the, the biggest thing is cleaning them. Gosh, I mean, they get so freaking dirty so easily.
0: And if you have an automatic water, you can't feed blue light in it, right? Yeah. Yep. So um, you couldn't treat, if you were going to treat like with CORID for coccidia or other things, It's it would be difficult to do that too. So um, I even though I think they'd be wonderful, I've kind of, convince myself that I probably won't do it. But on that point of water, you definitely need to have hydrants in strategic places to make it easy not to have to haul tens of five gallon buckets of water over long distances. Yep. I agree on that totally. And I think it's important that
1: um, where your waterers are. And so you don't have to run a bunch of hose as well because not all of us are ballers like Laura, who has a heated hose.
0: <laughs> oh, I love my heated hose, but yeah. <laughs> but you need, but you need to make sure that your hydrants have heat tape or whatever on them so they don't freeze too. Oh, totally, so, totally on that. That's so. That's so
1: important on that one. There, the water is, is there. One thing w- with your water as well, and I've really thought about this as well. Is um, Laura? Have you ever thought about testing your water that you get?
0: Well, I haven't until you mentioned it, actually talking about um, a friend of yours that had a bunch of water testing done because she had an issue in her herd and, and she learned that her water had some, I am I remembering this right, Cameron, had some mineral issues that were impacting her herd's production. Yeah.
1: Yeah, right? it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I hadn't thought about it either until she told me that.
0: Um, do you guys have, do you have well water where you are?
1: We do. We do. We are, we're on a well water system.
0: Yeah. So I think, especially if you're on well water, that would be really important to test it just to make sure that you don't have any bad buggies in it and, and, you know, kind of see what your mineral is about it. So. Yep.
1: Totally. Up, totally on that one. So just, that's just some thoughts and consider it musings as it pertains to water. Yeah, for sure. Um, Moving right along here, um, you know, a couple things to think about is what – one thing that's huge, and let's let's talk about this right here, is hay storage. And I know Laura – it's a tale of two cities here, for lack of a better term, between Laura's amount of hay storage and then how much hay storage my home farm, Kickapoo Valley, has.
0: Yeah. Woo. Hay storage is always an issue.
1: Yeah, in, in our place, we have a, a fair amount of good hay storage. Um, I, I will say we're very thankful this year, and I, I I'm going to sound very boastful of our hay field, um, because we're going to have such a bountiful year, because um, third crop is about ready there, and our one barn is already filled, and we're going to fill the other barn with it as well there on our third crop. So I don't know what we're going to do with the fourth crop or the fifth crop, for that matter, if we were to get that. So, um, But hay storage is so critical.
0: It is. And, you know, you really need to think about not just is it going to be safe? Like, is it going to be out of the weather? But how easy is it to get to it? Because if you're hauling hay on a daily basis from a long way away, that's not convenient at all, especially in bad weather.
1: Yeah, it sucks. And one thing to consider where you store that is what's the ventilation look like, especially if that's coming right off the field there and that hay is hot hay. Um, that, that hay needs to be aired out in order to be stored properly to prevent a potential fire.
0: For sure. And don't be thinking that, well, depending on where you live in the country, I guess, really consider whether or not outside hay storage under a tarp is a good fit for you because we've done it and I don't think it was a great fit for us.
1: We've done it as well. It's not great either, but we've also made it work.
0: Yeah. Well, you, you, you are going to waste some hay doing it that way. I think, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's, I think it's inevitable, but you know, it's definitely something that you, you need to consider there too. So um, another thing to think about with hay
1: real quick here is what type of bales are you feeding as well?
0: Right. And there are so many different options. You know, it used to just be, do you want small squares or do you want rounds? And now they've got small rounds and they've got, big squares and they've got medium sized squares, you know, the three, the three twine squares or the 50 pound squares or, um, you know, a lot of that depends probably on where you live and what the fashion is, where you are too. Um, Have you fed round bales very much, Cameron?
1: We have. And I think they're terrible. And I think they're of lower quality and I think they're great for cattle. I think they're superb for cattle but I do not think they are great for goats because goats, dairy animals need a higher form of, um, alfalfa or, or forage than, than cows can do. Cause they can deal with the grass.
0: Right. And we've fed round bales before and bought a special round bale feeder that was, um, designed for sheep and goats. And it really worked marginally. It wasn't really worth it for us. um, we've used large bales or large round bales before where we've set the bale in the garage and just peeled off of it and that doesn't work great. It's hard to get hay to peel evenly and then you still have to fork it or move it in a wheelbarrow or in the back of your truck or it's it's I'm not a big fan of round bales. Sometimes that's all you can find, but yeah, I I don't like i don't like it and i wish i wish i could i wish i could figure out a good way to eat it but i also have heard of too many people that have have fed round bales to their goats and the goats will eat up underneath it and then the top of the bale will fall down on top of goats and injure or kill them so i think that's always a consideration too oh it
1: totally is yeah you are you are 100 percent correct there um, that's the reason and you know we talk about hay storage a lot because again, hay is so freaking important number one. And number two, um, it, it, it's a lot cheaper to buy hay in the fall or in the summer when they're cutting it versus buying it in February when everyone has stored it. Right. Yeah. And one thing I also like to think about and Laura, this is gonna sound pretty deep here, but have you ever noticed you know the best hay, for lack of a better term, is always available after the goat show primary season here in the Midwest. Yep. And then the worst hay or the hay when you're scrounging for it, because it's like May is, is never available at the best time when you want to start showing your goats. Um, And then your first cutting hay, which I I, tends to be the poorest in our area is never available for the national show. And that's, that's when it's available for the national show. And it's like, Eh, It's okay, but I need a third cutting from last year. So something to consider of when you show your goats is can you store that hay, that fifth cutting hay, long
0: enough in order to have it next year for your show season? Right. And every year I tell myself I'm going to hold back 30 of the best bales of hay and just not even pretend that I have them here so that I can pull those out when the doe's first freshen and I'm really trying to pump them up and for those first shows and, you know, to make sure that, make sure that I've got what I want for nationals and it never happens. Something always, you know, there's a snowstorm that comes up and I can't get out to get other hay and I end up using the good stuff and, and whatever. So don't be Laura do, do better (laughs) plan better. (laughs) Don't be me.
1: (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to save my question for maybe, we, we need to, to have a different conversation about hay in a different podcast because I have a lot of questions about it and it's probably all nutritional related, but well, let's talk about that later on. Uh, um,
0: I, I think what, hay, your hay feeder, d- making a design for a hay feeder, if you go on Pinterest, there are 50 billion different types of hay feeders that people have proposed as the best hay fe- feeder for goats, the best hay feeder that doesn't waste hay. Um, you know, this is the way to do it. And I'm telling you, I don't think that there is a wasteless hay feeder out there.
1: I will tell you that the system we have now with our hay feeders, we probably waste the least amount of hay we've ever wasted, um, because the animals, um, have to put their heads in and it's in a hay box there. And the only time they do is they push it out. They don't push it. They don't push it into their pens, um, which is nice. But I will tell you, we build up so much um, fines there, as, as Morgan Allen called it, um, within the hay box that we have to clean the hay box out about every uh, week, 10 days.
0: So what do you do with it?
1: Oh, we just – the the fines, we actually just throw back in the pen. It's like a, bed, a very, very, very small bedding. Okay. Okay. It well. it, 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 wor- it works well. Um, but I don't, and this is my opinion here, as I don't think there's enough room within our barn currently for the amount of animals we have. So my dad actually puts a, a big, we have like a big fence line feeder that we put on the fence or in between two of the pens there. And the goats will actually prefer the fence line feeder um, or the, the big kind of hay feeder, fence line hay feeder to the hay boxes that are in front.
0: Well, and I think isn't it funny how goats kind of tell you what they like? <laughs> well, and then my dad proposes this idea is to put the put the the hay
1: feeder put like the the hay feeder in front and then the box underneath for it to catch all the not just the fines but the other stuff as well. Yes, and that's what he is convinced is the best idea. I am not sold on the idea, but I, I think there's merit to it.
0: Well, I think whatever you do, you need to know that goats are going to waste some of it. I mean, there's, there's going to be some waste. And so have a plan, whether it's, you have a a cow that's going to eat what they waste or, you know, a compost pile or something, but have a plan for it because that is something that we fight all the time here. Hey, waste hay gets piled up and then all of a sudden your fences can get walked over instead of, uh, keeping animals in because you've got hay that's piled up. And so thank goodness my husband has a big tractor with a loader that he can just push all of that off every once in a while, but it's hay wastage is definitely a problem with dairy goats.
1: Yeah, definitely on that one there.
0: Laura, is there any special consideration? And
1: I'm asking you this question on purpose that you need to think about for uh, bucks versus
0: does. Um, high and hot. I think is a great thought as you're trying to do it. And that has to do with fencing. Um, In my experience, bucks are, I like bucks. All the bucks that I've had with the exception of maybe one have been big puppy dogs, but there is nothing that is more determined than a buck who wants to breed a doe in heat. And so um, trying to make sure that you've got a good, a good tall fence with some hot wire on it is probably your best bet. That's my thought on it.
1: Yeah. I, well, one thing, if I were to go and do it all over again, which I think this, it's not going to happen in our new house here. Um, but I, I think it's good if the bucks, if the males can't see the females because they might not know their heat. Like they know where they are because they've been out to breed goats. But but they can't see when they are in heat in order to viciously attack, if that makes sense.
0: So I kind of have a couple of thoughts about that, Cameron. And I totally get your point there. And actually, my husband has that. He believes that, too. For me, though, I like having the Bucks share a fence with the Does because then I can see who's ready to AI and who's in heat. Oh, Okay. Okay, so I I feel like that that has helped me with my AI successes is really being able to see who's ready to be bred and who's still interested in that buck and who is not. Um but you know, I I definitely get the point that you're making too.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that that's an excellent point. And I had never thought about that. Um yeah, that's that's a really 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 interesting point and something that I'll probably think about like, to, I'll probably have to leave this podcast and have that conversation with Cameron. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and you know, there are, there are other things, Cameron, that, that have to be considered that we really haven't had time to touch on tonight. Like, um, fencing, oh what kind God. of fencing gonna, are you going to use no. and so forth. And, and, you know, that might be a great topic for a future podcast and so maybe we could get somebody who's a fencing expert to come and yes. talk to us about, options on fences, but
1: yeah, um, that sounds great there. Um, I guess what's last question or kind of round up if you were to have something and it doesn't even have to be functional, but you'd be like, man, it'd be really cool if I had that in my barn, what would be that one thing?
0: Oh, I don't know. I really want to have, a triple sink in my barn, like a deep sink. That's bit deep enough to be able to wash out um, like kid feeding buckets and my milking machine. And I mean, that would be, that would make life so much better to just have hot a great water. big sink in hot water,
1: hot water. I, I like hot water too, just to feed after kidding or, or, yep. or go to addicted to hot water. So yeah, that would be, that would be awesome
0: awesome for sure yeah yeah well Cameron I think all of us are excited to see see your barn as it's in completion so you're gonna have to make sure you put a lot of pictures on the goat gab facebook page so we can see what you're doing you bet you bet you on that as always listeners thanks for joining
1: us this week uh, we appreciate your time um and and listening to us ramble about uh, uh building a better barn
0: and if you have some suggestions on something that Cameron and Catherine might consider as they're putting their barn together or me when I finally hit the lottery and I get to build my own new barn, because I that's, that's in the works someday, um, you know, <laughs> reach out and let us know because we're always open to some new ideas. Maybe there's something we haven't even thought about. Oh,
1: yeah. Um, and as always, when you reach out to us. You can find us on the Facebook, Goat Gab. You can get us anywhere where you get your podcasts. Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google. We found out we were on Pandora the other day as well uh, from one of our listeners. So um, we're available wherever you get your podcasts. And, and like Laura said, if, if you will have some feedback for us on the podcast, a topic suggestion, or how to build a better barn, uh, let us know. Uh, we appreciate your time. And as always, listeners, have a great week.
0: Stay positive, stay safe, and we will see you on the next episode of Goat Gab.